it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. So as we jump in today, I want to talk post-quarantine and how there's really a lot of uncertainty around what's going to happen, right? And so the reality is we must move forward as a church, as opposed to trying to go back to what was taking place in 2019 or early 2020. And so if you join us last week, we talked about regrouping and regrouping as a church has a lot of question marks, you know, from being a um, word of mouth preview service church, the first 10 weeks of our existence and not having any online presence to the last 18 weeks jumping online. And now to the next kind of season that we're going into, what does it look like? And I'll just say this, it has a lot of question marks, but can we do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can. I believe in you. And this is what it's going to take. It's going to take you. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take the church. If you're engaged today, it's going to take us leading the way getting it from our head to our heart and from our heart to our feet and getting up off our couch and being a presence of the body of the church of Jesus in our community, in our workplaces on a weekly basis. And so some of what I shared last week uh, inside the numbers and uh, what was happening before versus what's happening now, uh, none of those numbers are a joke. And so I don't want you to think like, oh, good grief. Those are all Bonapol stats, very, very real, um, taken in 2016. So probably a little bit uh, more intense now than they were. And the whole reality of what we're talking about with 80% of people um, not engaging in the church, but once a month is this, is it, it shows me and the rest of the world that the church has kind of become a cul-de-sac. And so if you know what a cul-de-sac is, a cul-de-sac is, uh, it's a dead-end street right? You love to live in a cul-de-sac. You can put your hoop out and you just kind of own, you kind of own the cul-de-sac. Our kids, when we ride bikes, they love cul-de-sacs because they can go down and drive around and around and there's no traffic. It's almost like the rules are out when you live in a cul-de-sac, right? We know it's a dead end street. And so you see the signs right now, of the cul-de-sac and what it looks like. And, and it's a dead end street. And then more importantly about what the cul-de-sac is, the cul-de-sac is local traffic only. Right. And so if you lived in the cul-de-sac, there are two, two, two sides to the cul-de-sac, right? Those who live in the cul-de-sac, when a strange car comes down that street, it's like looking out the windows. Who's that? Whose house are they going to? Hope they ain't come to mind. They don't live here. They don't, you know what I mean? It's that side. And then on the flip side of it, you have the people who know they're in a cul-de-sac because they took a wrong turn and they know they're not supposed to be. So it's like, man, how can we get in here and get turned around? Because this is not a through street. This is not a through street, right? And so um, what, all that, what all that means is when you come in um, the cul-de-sac, it's, it's kind of like one at a time. You don't need a traffic jam in the cul-de-sac because you're going to be there for, you know, who knows how long. And so... Um, Thinking about the church being a cul-de-sac and, and kind of where we've progressed to um, today, especially being in quarantine and not being able to, to um, meet at all, it's kind of put us in a little bit of a different place. And so let's go back and think about what God said. God says that the, the church is the bride of Christ. It's his most prized possession. Okay, And so that means that God's not going to use the church for anything negative because it's very important to him. And so then now we have to own that we are the church and that we're important to God. The church is all of us. 
again, we've, we've talked several times. We are a movement of people. We're a body of people and we're as strong as our weakest link. And so we are as the church, not just a, not a cul-de-sac, but we're a two-way street, right? And so then that means there are people coming into the church and people coming out of the church. And as they come in, uh, we don't want them driving 85 and like crazy. We want them at a nice slow pace because we're all under construction, right? We're all under construction. So we want everybody to approach with caution and care, right? Because this is our neighborhood, because this is our neighborhood. And so then we're not as the church called to be a cul-de-sac. I don't think that that was ever our intention in how we've gone and how Western culture has kind of taken over. But this is where we are. And most of us are here once a month. And so we're here once a month because we know the street all too well, right? We just know the street too well. Here's a little uh, fun fact to, to shift your attention a little bit. Did you know that Progressive uh, Insurance did a study and the study says 52% of all car accidents happen within five miles of your house, of a person's house, and 77% of them occur within 15 miles or less. Why is that? Familiarity. We know all too well. We get very, very comfortable, right? We get very comfortable. And as the closer we get, the easier, you know, the, the less engaged we are because we know this. We've been down this street before, right? And so then it's not my goal, nor is it our goal with Redefined Church to create a new cul-de-sac. We're not about that. To move forward, we must leverage what we already have. To move forward as a church, we must leverage what we already have, which is relationships, its resource, and its community. And we must leverage these for the cause of Christ. If you have your Bibles, go to Genesis 12, 1 through 2. This is the call of Abram. And after I read this, what I want you to think about is this is the call of the church. This is the call of Dusty. This is the call of you, how and wherever you sit. This is the call. And so Genesis 12, and it's 1 through 3, actually. I apologize. Now the Lord said to Abram, this is before God changed Abram's name. He says, go out from your country your relatives, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Then I will make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you a ton of influence, is what he's saying. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great. I will name your name great. Church. Okay, This is because he's fulfilling the call of God in his life. So that you will exemplify divine blessing. You'll embody Jesus. Okay, People will see it in who you are. People will see it in who you are. I will bless those who bless you, but the ones who curse you, I will curse so that all the families of the earth, so that all the families of the earth may receive blessings through you. I, Abram, I need you. I need you to go. And as you go, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take care. I'm going to shake the haters off for you. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I'm going to give you influence so great that all the families of the earth, that all the families of the earth will receive blessing through you. Here's what I believe. I believe the church, the church, you, me, together as one body, is the best vehicle through which we find the necessary elements to achieve the purpose of social and community restoration post-quarantine. Post-quarantine. COVID-19 is never going away, so I can't say post-COVID-19. It's going to be here like the flu, right? But post-quarantine, what you find in the church is the necessary elements to achieve the purpose of social and community restoration. 
Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm going to paraphrase it. Paraphrase this. It just says, go into all the world, the church, go into all the world and make disciples. And it ends with this. And I will be with you wherever you go. Similar to what God told Abram when Abram went. And so then what we need to think about is many of our community issues are ethical and moral at their foundation. At the root of it, there's ethics and morals involved. And most of the time, it's decay that's causing the problem. The church, when active, this is a big part, when active, the church, when active, represents the most natural social service agency in the world to address these issues. The church is supposed to be love in action. The church is love in action. It's a verb, right? And so you, the church, forgive me. You, the church, provide a way by how you live that affects those watching you, which changes how people think, which ultimately determines how they live. Your influence with others is what starts them seeing it. They see it in you. It's why a good example has twice the value of good advice. I can't walk in anywhere and tell anybody anything because nobody's listening, but I can't show them who Jesus is. And if I show them long enough, the conversation is going to start. And so then the church, us, should be involved in every area of the community. That's what a community church does. We need to understand that the reason we don't see change is because the church has become the cul-de-sac where everything kind of gets bottled up and it sits. We kind of go and we sit and not changed. We get really stagnant and stagnant so much like uh, here in Gross Point. Uh, there's a park where every now and again they have to shut the beach down. Um, I would, I'm, I'm going to misspeak, but they shut the beach down because the water gets too stagnant. And E. coli, and I have some E. coli, so they, hey, can't do it. Numbers a little bit high, and it's because the water just sits in there; it has nowhere to go, and it sits in this little cove or this little bay. And that's what the cold, that's, that's what the church is becoming. It is becoming the cul-de-sac where we can all just kind of get in here and we sit, we come, we sit in the exact same seat. We do the exact same thing. We have that exact same routine. And so as we get back out of quarantine, how can we not go back to that routine, to that ritualistic, uh, just kind of uh, sit in it, right? It's the reason why it's the reason why numbers right now at churches aren't real high. Yes, we're uh, a little bit leery of getting around people, even with a mask on. But then two, um, we found, and this is a large majority of people, we found that we really don't miss it because we weren't engaged. We were just sitting. We were just sitting. And so then, so then it's on us to um, uh, create that flow. The flow has stopped. The flow has stopped. And so nothing is flowing out. We stopped the flow as a church. So it's on us, the body, not just to stir the pot, but to open the floodgates, but to open the gates. And let's make this a through street. Okay. The beautiful neighbor on the backside. And if we just, if we just connect this cul-de-sac right there with that street, we can go. We can go. Right. And so the church was designed to be a two-way street where things pass through. The speed limit is not 55 where you go 80 and you cut somebody off to get off on the highway. Things move slower here in the church because we're all under construction. We're all a work in progress. It's like the caution sign. Uh, that we're showing you right now. Caution, like we're work in progress. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a construction zone, but it's we're work in progress, right? And so then we move at that pace. We just need to slow down. And for a lot of us, we need to 
get up. We have to get up and get off the couch. And so reality is this, as God gives us the church favor and blessing, we should then be passing those favor, that favor and those blessings onto our community. As God gives us the church, us individually, the church favor and blessing, we should then be passing that on to our community. The church should add value to people and create positive influence that leads others. The church, the body, us, you, me. The church should add value to people and create positive influence that leads others. It's Jeremiah 29, 7 says this. It says, seek the peace and prosperity of the community you live in. Pray for its welfare, because as it prospers, so will you. This is what it means to be the church. When the church gets strategically involved, God's blessings flow into the community and positive outcomes happen. Well, then we start to hear good news. And we start to hear good news because we're being the good news. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some good news. I'm really ready for some good news. And so then it must take us getting strategically involved for that good news to be shared. And so then this is why I'm convinced that we don't need to get back to the way that it was or the way it used to be that we do not need another program. We don't need to create something new, right? Well, whatever we can do to get from there to here so we can get back to what we were doing, we don't need to do that as a church because that only creates the generation behind us to step away, right? What we need to do is be the church. What we need the church to do, what we need us to do, sorry, what we need the church to do is start functioning the way that God created to function. We, the church, need to start functioning the way that God created us to function. That means God's counting on us. God's counting on you, and He's counting on me. This is why we are regrouping as a church. It's so unique that we get to use this term because regroup was really what I thought the um, uh, Bible Belt uh, small group model was going to be. And... um, and I had no clue that this is what was going to happen here until uh, last Friday night when I solidified one thing inside of last week's message. And I thought, wow, we really are regrouping. And you look at the definition of regroup and what it means um, to come back and kind of pull things together from the from the roller coaster that we've been on as a church. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really revolutionary to me, right? And so then we're regrouping. Dusty, what is a regroup? I'm going to answer a couple of questions here. If you're taking notes, I'm going to start talking about how we're moving forward here. And so I'm going to add some depth or some clarity. So what is a regroup? It's a family. It's going to start with your family. Like we talked about building our house on biblical values. It starts inside your house first. It really starts with you. And so then a regroup starts with one leader who is affirmed in their faith, who believes in the values of honesty, honor, and hospitality. We know that creates unity, biblical unity, biblical hospitality, right? And so it starts with one person who leads their house and it's your family. And then from there you go to friends and other extended family members who you're comfortable with being around. You're comfortable being around. You're comfortable with them in your house. Well, Dusty, how do I know which friends to invite? How do I know which family members to invite? Here's how. Who do you know? Answer this question. Who do you know that's close to you, but far from God? That's who you invite. That's the person you invite. Invite them. Who do you know that's close to you but far from God? If we were in church right now and I said, how many of you guys know somebody who's close to you but far from God? Raise your hand. Everybody who had their hand raised. Everybody right now has somebody on their heart. Okay? It's the same for me. And so then that's the person that you invite to your 
regroup, right? What does a regroup do? It's very simple. It's four things. It's embody the values of the church. It's why the church exists. We exist to love God. A a regroup loves God. They love each other. They love their neighbor and they bring others along. They impart the gospel, right? They are the church. They're Matthew 22, 37 through 40, right? A regroup loves God, loves each other, loves their neighbor, and they bring others along. Regrouping means getting back to being the church, the first century church, uh, the church of Acts, right? It means redefining the expectation of the church and the experience that people have with us, with us, the church, not with us, redefined with us, the capital C church. Regrouping is about engagement. It's not about attendance. And so then don't think, oh man, this sounds a lot like small group. Regrouping is not even close to a small group. Regrouping is about engagement. It's not attendance. It's about, hey, gather some people and tell me how many people you have so we can share a big number. It's not about that. It's about engagement. And this is why we engage. When we engage, it means that the church, that church people, currently church people are going to be renewed. That's Psalms 5110. It means that de-churched people are going to be restored. They're going to come back. They've walked away. They've quit. Something has happened. They were hurt. Those de-churched people are going to be restored because they're going to see the church in action. That's Psalms 5112. And the unchurched are going to receive because we get out and engage our community. We engage people. And when unchurched people receive, that's fulfilling the call of the Great Commission. And so then, regrouping means we're not going to be the last generation of the church. Regrouping means we're not going to hold on for dear life. It means we're going to be the ones to bring solution because we're willing to get up off our couch and to get what it means to follow Jesus into our feet. And so then we're called to impart the gospel. Imparting the gospel is important. We cannot go back to entertainment, entertaining people. We must impart. Impart means to pass on, to relay, to bestow, to lend, or to provide to bring to others, right? To bring to others. And so that's why we bring others along. When do regroups start? It's another great question. We have groups meeting right now. um, And we had a few groups sign up last week. If you want to lead a regroup, here's the thing. I don't need you. So one thing I, I hope that you hear in all of this, this is our call. This is for the cause. This is for the gospel. This is for why God sent his son, Jesus. And so I don't need you, but people do need you. People need you. People you know, people you love, people you trust. They need you. They need you. And so then we need you. We, the church, we, the body need you to lead. Dropping a woofoo link in the comment section right now in the discussion. It's also going to be in the description of this service. Click that link. I think we ask you four questions. It does not lock you in anything. It says that you're interested, so we can ask and answer any questions or answer any questions you might have to ask. And so, again, I want you on mission with us because this is the call. It's going to be bigger than we can comprehend. It's going to catch like wildfire, and it's going to catch all over our country. I'm 100%. And so then from Florida to the people we have watching in California and everywhere in between, people are going to start regrouping and being the church because this is the way back to what God intended us to be, right? And so then make sure you sign up. Is a regroup a small group? No, it is not even close. It is not even close. How will we accomplish? Here's the thing. It's really, sometimes small groups can be awkward. It's so awkward that we don't even meet at our house sometimes, right? And so, no, it's not a small group. How will we accomplish regrouping and redefining the people's expectations post-quarantine? How are we going to do that? We're going to love God. 
We're going to love each other. We're going to love our neighbor and we're going to bring others along. So what does that mean? And here is essentially the model. If I had to call this something, this is the model. This can change. Matter of fact, it probably will change. But here's our model. We're going to do one family style service every month. This is around the, this is around the table. We're going to provide a conversation topic and crafts for your kids. And the goal in that family style service is to love each other, to love each other. We want to capitalize on relationship. And what we need to understand is this an opportunity for those close to us, but far from God who don't attend church to join us for a meal. This doesn't have to happen on Sundays. This can happen any day of the week. And so then have a family style meal around your table. We'll provide the content for you. And again, that's more community-based. It's not biblically-based or um, is there some curriculum or content? No, we're going to give you a question to kick around when and if you feel comfortable. But the goal is to get those who are close to you but far from God around the table, family-style service. We're going to do one online service per week. This is going to be a little bit different style service. Uh, going to be 10 to 15 message with a built-in um, 15 to 20 minute countdown clock for uh, your regroup to have a discussion, to do a deeper dive into uh, the content that we uh, start with that day. And the goal with an online service is to love God. We're going to love God together. This is our vertical relationship, right? As a, as a community of faith, as a body of believers. And so then the goal uh, is loving God and to have a conversation, right? And this is an opportunity for those who are close to you, but far from God to experience a light version of church. They've been to your table and you've, you've, the, the, the needle has peaked or poked past, um, acquaintance or easy friend, or, you know, we're not mad at each other anymore To I think I could actually ask this person to come and hang out with us, um, for a message, for a little, for, for a conversation, not a message, for a conversation. And so then what we're going to do is uh, that's going to be any day in time. We'll create that and we'll make it on demand. And so then that service will be very short. It's going to include questions, some study guide, discussion topics. It's going to be a great way to learn about and from each other, especially our perspective when it comes to our beliefs. And so the third thing we're going to do every week or every month, rather, third thing we do every month is local outreach. We're going to get into our neighborhood, and we're going to do this with our entire regroup. And this is going to be community-focused. It needs to be focused where you live. So then the goal of that, um, that local outreach is to love your neighbor, to love your neighbor. The outreach is just the excuse to love people, so it's not so much about what you're doing. It's about who you're with, both as your regroup and as the people that you're serving if you choose to do something like that. And so this gives those uh, who are close to you, but far from God, an opportunity to do something that makes them, that makes them feel like they're a part. It helps them see that they're making an impact. And this is more than likely the easiest way to help somebody get involved. This is an easy way. It's an easy end. And so then I see this working like uh, outreach. Outreach at some point is going to lead to a meal. A meal is some, some, at some point going to lead to a conversation all because we are leading the way. We're showing people who we are. We're not weirdos. We're not on the corner, beating our Bible, telling people, turn or burn, you know, left or right. It is It is just, this is my life. This is who I am. This is who we believe in. This is how we live our life. And so as we do that, love our neighbor. Here's the thing. We're doing uh, some of the back, back end work right now on those outreaches. Once you choose your outreach, the only thing is to be consistent. So if I choose to go and cut... um 
Mary Beth's yard every um, one Tuesday a month, then that is my outreach because we want to be consistent in those outreaches, right? We want to consistently show people the love of Jesus. And so then whatever outreach I choose as my group for that once a month outreach, we want it to be consistent. I want to go back the very next month at the exact same time, let people build some trust, count on us and see it in us. And after time, that outreach is going to lead to great conversations of people going, you're different. You're very different. And you actually like us and you're nice and you're kind and all those things. They're going to see Jesus in you and they're going to come and they're going to come. And so then um, the outreach needs to be consistent and repeatable and connect people to the church, to our monthly gathering. If we do not connect them to the church, that outreach just becomes a glorified handout. And so that's not what we want to do because that exhausts our resources and it exhausts you. And you don't want to do either of those things. And so we want to connect people to the local church. Go out and make disciples. It doesn't say go out. Go out and make disciples. Your outreach can happen any day or any time of that week that you choose. And so all these three uh, different ways that we're going to um, get out to regroup as the church and actually go is is totally on you, the leader, as to when it happens and what date happens and uh, however you choose to rotate those, those three things that month. The last thing we're going to do is we're going to have one big service per month. Um, if you are leading in a different area, we will be streaming that service until we find somebody in your area to lead. I don't expect it to be too long until we find leaders uh, across our different regions. But if you're meeting um, or leading in a different area other than right here in Gross Point, Michigan, we are going to find somebody to lead in your area. We're believing and praying for that right now, knowing that people are getting kind of nudged from God and knowing it's time to stand up and take the lead. And so um, our goal in our once a month service is to bring others along. Okay. And so then we love God. We love each other. We love our neighbor and we bring others along. That service is to essentially connect those people that we, that we've been pouring into and leading all month to that monthly service, right? What we'll do inside that service is we'll celebrate last month. We're going to build community. We're going to prepare for the next month. Inside of that, we're going to be taking communion. We're going to be adding uh, prayer time. It's going to be probably a little bit longer service. It's going to be over an hour. Uh, we're going to have extended worship. We're going to jump into the community calendar and celebrate events happening in our community. And we're also going to celebrate uh, each other, those who are leading and what our regroups are doing as we gather once a month. Um, we're going to celebrate what people are leading and, and what's happening and taking place uh, inside of outreaches and dinner tables and houses as, uh, as we be the church. And so then um, if there is a fifth uh, week month, which there are a couple of those throughout the year, we're going to take that as an opportunity as a church, as one body, as every regroup will come together and we will do one big outreach as a church. That's all groups together. We're going to be loving our neighboring uh, community. And that the goal of that is to love our neighbor. So we're going to love our neighbor next to us in our community. We're going to love our neighbor next to us uh, on those fifth Sundays or fifth fifth week months, um, either uh, whatever community that is for you. And so um, the opportunity in that is similar to an outreach. It's an opportunity for those who are far from God to um, experience being the church as we serve others. And so here's the overview of this. Week one, we're going to celebrate what you, the church, have done. We're going to cast vision. We're going to have community. Weeks two through four all point to that once a month gathering where we bring others along and we impart the gospel. We help people take a step in their faith. That is a uh, a time where we will pray the believer's prayer together 
and we will actually help people identify where they are in their walk and help them take their next step. Um, week two through four, our progression to get people to grow and move forward spiritually. It's baby steps, right? And so some people will do an outreach, but they're not going to come over for dinner. Some people will come over for dinner, but they're not going to stay at your house and they're definitely going to sit through a conversation. So in being consistent with uh, these three, the outreach, the dinner and the conversation, um, I think in, in our consistency, people are going to see Jesus in us and they're going to be more likely to take a step forward um, in the relationship, which gives us influence, which allows us to help them take a step forward in their faith. And so relationship is the key. The reality is this. They're not going to take a step forward with me. And so let's just pretend we go back to 2019, early 2020. They're not going to take a step forward with me because I don't have the relationship that you have. I don't have the influence that you have. I don't have the relational equity that you have. They're going to take a step forward in their faith because of you, because of your relationship, because of your influence, because of what you have with them. That's it. And so then what God wants to do through you, he can't accomplish through me because of the relationship. And so then our job as believers is essentially to show people who Jesus is. That opens the door for a conversation. And conversation is our responsibility. Conversion is God's responsibility. We start the conversation that opens the door to their heart so Jesus can walk in. Right? And so then engagement is not the goal. Imparting the gospel means um, our online services will change too. And so in these, in the outreach, in the, in the, in the family style meal and the conversation that you're going to have wherever, whenever, however, um, those are all, those are all great. Um, but inside of those or with those happening, we're still going to offer and bring you an online um, service every Sunday, which, so we're creating a bunch of work, <laughs> we're creating a bunch of work for us, but this is what, the churches. This is who the church is called to be. And so that means our Sunday service is going to change a little bit, uh, meaning we are going to um, cut the message way down, create some topic and some uh, conversation pieces for you and some study material, which is going to be good. Engagement, again, is not the goal. Our engagement is the goal, not entertainment. Engagement is the goal, not entertainment. So as we change, those services are going to be brief and we're going to send you worship separately so you can engage and we can get to the mean potatoes of who God's called you to be and how you can move forward. Um, we're currently working through the logistics of all this stuff and plan to share everything at our first gathering. Uh, last week, I told you our first gathering was going to be the final, uh, the fourth week of every month. But in all reality, the first Sunday of the month is really the biggest Sunday for us. We take communion. We do extended worship. And so we're already doing a couple of the elements that we're going to offer in person on the first Sunday. Uh, somebody on our team brought that to my attention. Was like, hey, why are we not just doing this on the first Sunday like we're currently? I was like, oh, yeah, I sh that's a good idea. And, and so then, excuse me, our first in-person gathering is Sunday, August 2nd. And that location is still TBA. I hope this makes you a little bit giddy. Here's the deal. The takeaway today is this. We're not a cul-de-sac. Redefined church, the body, the church was never intended to be a cul-de-sac. The church is the vehicle. The church is the vehicle, but you're the engine. You're the engine. People need you. People need you. People need you. And so I need you to step up and lead. I need you to lead. 
need you to open your doors. I need you to be willing to get outside your house. I need you to be a part because God needs you, right? So I want you to be a part of the mission. And so then, without an engine, you're the engine. We are the engine. I'm going to be doing all of this right alongside of you. We're the engine. Without an engine, the car sits in the cul-de-sac, sometimes on blocks, sometimes tarped up. No matter how pretty it is, it can be as pretty as all can be. But you pull that motor out of that car, pull the engine out, and it's worthless. It's not worth anything. We're not a cul-de-sac. We're called to be the vehicle that is the church, and you're the engine. We, the people, the body, are the engine. And so then, I would love for you again to sign up and lead with us. If you say, Dusty, that's a big commitment. I can't do that. I do one a month. Do it. Lead one a month. It's not my responsibility to talk to anything. That's God's responsibility. And so here's what I know. You're going to sign up to lead one, and that one's going to lead to uh, either you know one or the other. And then that's going to lead to a monthly. And before long, what God's going to do in your life, because you're being open and willing to fulfill the commission, what he's called us to do, there's going to be great things that are happening in your life. And you're going to be all in. And what we're going to see is life change and good news, right? And so then, we're not a cul-de-sac. The church is the vehicle. You're the engine. People need you. People need you. And so what we don't need to get back to is the old way. We don't need to uh, implement another program or another system because that gets us the same result. And I don't know if you know the definition of that, but that's called insanity, right? And so then we need the church to start functioning the way that God created the church to function. That means we have to be it. That means God's counting on us. He's counting on you and he's counting on me. This is going to be big. It's going to be very big. And it's going to be because we're being obedient to be the church. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.